Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare on Screen, a fun little podcast where I meet up with friends to talk about Shakespeare adaptations to the big or small screen. And returning is my good friend, Bailey. Hi, Bailey. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. After leaving on such a dark note with Macbeth, I said, we have to talk about something nice. <laughs> so, of course, I wanted you to come back to talk about Lion King. What can be nicer than Lion King? Um, You'd be surprised. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know. So, just just because I, I I've seen not just adaptations of uh, I mean like with its connections obviously to Hamlet. <laughs> there's there's that alone, and then there's plus a few a few other sort of things that I've noticed in connections that with with the uh, Lion King and some other forms of media as well. Um, but we can talk about that a little later. Um, so if you're expecting something light and airy, I'm not sure I can help you with that. But that's <laughs> what we can do. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Um, I mean, rewatching this movie for the first time in years, I mean, no, this is a, this is a drama. This is a, mm. I mean, compared to something like Aladdin, where which is just such pure fun of, it's a comedy mostly. Right. Like, no, Lion King is a drama. It's a drama. And it's, it's a real powerful story about, about growing up and adulthood and, maturity and many things many many things are they really related to hamlet though well let's get into it um so fun little book i recommend everyone check out for some interesting behind the scenes of of lion king is um the movie Disney War. It's all about um, when uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner came into Disney uh, from the late 80s and took over the company and quite frankly made it a little bit more corporate. More than it already was, but yes. And it's very much about the Disney Renaissance. And they shook things up, and Jeffrey Katzenberg is a very, very polarizing figure. That's the way I'll put it. Love him or hate him, he definitely changed animation. Plenty of people would argue for the worse, but I'm not going to be that guy for this podcast. Um, so is. I mean, some of his big claims to fame and some some of the things where he's where he did get credit is that he would often try to insist that you need to just simplify and describe the pitch and find a way to really connect to the story on an emotional level of that when he was being his the executive overseer, when they were working on Toy Story, they didn't quite know what they were working with in terms of a story and he said you're doing a buddy movie that's what you're doing and once they had that that then they knew the structure and then they proceeded from there and so with lion king they at one point it was the story about lions versus monkeys i kid you not wow 
it was very, very different. And like many of these movies, it, there's a lot of changes that go in the process of getting it to the final thing. And according to legend, the big thing that Katzenberg said was that you're doing Hamlet. Like we are? I was like, yes, you're doing Hamlet. You're doing a story of a father and a son and that drama and a father who, and about the story of a king that's being deposed by, by someone and once they got that, they had the idea and the structure, and they went from there to to the Lion King. Now, I will say there's only so much of Hamlet in Simba, I think, personally. But maybe Bailey is going to very hardly dis- mm-hmm. very hardly disagree with me. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, the other fun fact. Just uh, I was mentioning earlier to Bailey before the podcast. It's really weird about this movie is that, or not weird, but just a, it's it's funny in hindsight is that is that at a certain point Disney at this point was made the goal of of releasing an animated movie every year at least if not two a year, and so there was more on staff and they were being able to be more quick with production compared to the lowest point of the 80s where they were barely making two every three or four years. 80s was not a good time for Disney. And so as they're making this movie, there's two projects on the line for what they're going to do next. One is this is this lion movie. The other is Pocahontas. All the senior staff all think Pocahontas is going to be the hit. It's going to be their, it's their, it's their, as Katzenberg described it, it's their West Side Story. This is going to be their Oscar movie. It's going to be a huge hit. It's got everything they want. Then there's the Lion movie. And even at the time, Katzenberg was kind of just much more muted in his enthusiasm for Lion King. It was just like, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be different. It's going to be an experiment. We'll see if it connects. And so Lion King was, in many ways, the young students or the the B team getting to step up to the plate to do their own movie. So not the most experienced animators and not the most experienced directors got free reign to make their movie. And I liken it personally to bring it to contemporary standards. It's 20th Century Fox thinking, all right, we got this little R-rated superhero called Deadpool, and we got this big sequel tentpole X-Men movie. The X-Men movie is going to be the hit, and mm-hmm. Deadpool's just going to be, you know, whatever. It's going to make a, a couple bucks and be a cult hit. Deadpool went on to be the second highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. (laughs) And no one ever remembers X-Men Apocalypse. So, you never know what's going to be a hit. Yep. So. I I think that's one of those sort of situations where history favors the bold. You know, because, like, these are both examples of uh, 
these people trying something new and something they've never tried before. Mm-hmm. And I think the public kind of just loves that sort of thing because, you know, like, yes, we do have our sort of tendencies to go towards things that, you know, comfort us, you know, the same old, same old, it's a comforting place, but every once in a while, you know, we're just looking at something different. And I think Absolutely. that's something, that's something that happened with the Lion King. Cause like, yes, with Pocahontas, I mean, yeah, she was a native American princess, if you will. Um, but she's in the end of it, just another princess versus we have a bunch of, uh, animals running around talking and having their own kind of motivations and conflicts mm-hmm. and i think honestly i think that that's probably just more appealing not to a to a broader audience yeah there's something a bit more universal to animals i think mm-hmm. and that and uh, to get into it maybe i think w- because it's animals you're allowed to be a bit more caricature and a bit more free to just have fun with the fantasy and also to get a little bit as happens in Lion King you're a little bit more darker mhm it's a bit easier to swallow for general audiences some mufasa dying a mm-hmm a lion dying versus if we saw a human dying on screen, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. It's a little bit more like, Ooh, that's a I bit know. too personal. Yeah. Cause if you think about the other Disney movies, most of the parents who died, die before the story even starts. So mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's not, it's not as, I think, I think the only exception to that maybe is um is very famously Bambi's mother. Yeah, Bambi's mom, Mufasa, and then later Tarzan's parents. That was later, I think, right? Yeah, later is Tarzan's parents, and then it becomes the other big one, the famous one that I I I is gonna be Coral in Finding Nemo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I've heard that so many parents do not show that the first scene of Finding Nemo to their children. Mm. They just skip that scene. That reminds me of an episode of uh, of Friends where there's a character Phoebe, uh-huh. and they were they were talking to her about this movie. Like, oh, I didn't like that movie. I feel like it never ended. And like, they just ended at this part, and it's like, wait, you didn't see the part where the mom, like, like for example, Bambi, you didn't see the part where the where the mom died. <laughs> what? Mom dies? No, my my mom would really turn it off at the part at the part before that. <laughs> so they just eventually figured out that she'd never like seen all these tragic moments like old yeller or uh, uh, mom dying or uh, <laughs> I haven't seen this one personally, but I think there's one in Fox and the Hound. I'm not sure. I haven't seen that one. It's one. Yeah. it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a really that movie is <laughs> is part of like a behind the scenes it's very controversial of just mm-hmm. like it was like the final straw for don bluth leaving disney and taking so many animators with him mm-hmm. but like it's it's a really interesting movie because it's a movie about basically about i'll be honest it, it's a it's a movie about racism mm-hmm. and it doesn't really go for the disney message in that in that movie of like no racism cannot be overcome necessarily mm. 
which is wow. Bold places for Disney. Disney, I will say, okay, Bailey, uh, it's fun. This is going to be a bit of a Disney podcast, let's be honest. Uh, is I've noticed a lot, so, some more recent Disney movies, there's tons of, Disney has so many movies, despite its reputation, of that you can't necessarily live up to the dreams you you think you can do and accomplish. Like Nightmare Before Christmas, it's no you you like Jack, you're the pumpkin king. You can't be Santa Claus. Yeah. It's, it's like no, no. And Monsters uh University, what a f- fascinating and interesting message at the end. It's like Mike, despite all you're trying, you're not scary. It's just sorry you're not. Stinks. Mm-hmm. And so but it's interesting messages, and so, I mean, this is more of a standard message of, but of you can conquer, you have to live with your past and move on, accept it, learn from the past, mm-hmm. which is a good message. But no, I mean, Disney, Disney's very challenging at times, for all its reputation. I think Disney can be very challenging. And very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like even if you like look at, you know, things that have been happening recently, like there's a lot of discussion going around Disney and like the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I think they're coming out. I forget what it is. Oh, um, so, for example, like, did you know that they're making a Hocus Pocus, too? Oh, yes. Yes, I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. So this previous Halloween, I found out that they were making the sequel and that there was a book version of it out already. So immediately I got the book, <laughs> you know, um, and I read it. And one of the main character is what the main the main character is actually gay. And I'm just like, I cannot wait for this movie even more. Ah, uh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. I I'm just so excited. So it's one of those things where it's like they're, we're starting to see these itty bitty um, bits amount of. Uh, progress mm-hmm. um, i mean sometimes sometimes they sometimes it's a hit sometimes it's a miss um like with the i i hear that the recent uh version of mulan oh. didn't go over well um <laughs> so okay um let's let's do that little tangent before we maybe we should dive into the main movie at some point but let's but then, talk about that uh, yeah, eventually. Who who cares? Just you guys are listening. Uh, hopefully. Uh, yeah, the live live action remakes is I think a real sad trend mm-hmm. for Disney for me personally. Right. It's just that because I really really admire and appreciate Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. along with Maleficent. Right. Of just, you're actually telling something different. Mm-hmm. You're doing something else. You're telling a new story. Exactly. Unfortunately, I think what what made the trend really bad, mm-hmm. quite frankly, was was the Beauty and the Beast movie with Emma Watson, mm. where just it was a shot for shot remake, pretty much. 
And I just I, don't understand I, why. It was just like, I have the real, the animated movies available. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, just, do I want to see Emma Watson dressed up as Belle? Is that what, what's special about this? Because if it's just going to be sometimes too much, literally shot for shot, it's just like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Same well, thing with Aladdin and mm-hmm. Mulan. It was different. It was different. I'll give them credit for that. There was no Mushu. It was a very different story. It just mm-hmm. didn't really connect to me. Right. Well, I think what they're trying to do with these live action versions is not so much a shot for shot kind of live action remake. I think they're actually trying to update it in some way, shape or form, but still trying to play like pay some sort of homage to the originals, you know, like uh, with that sort of point you were making with Beauty and the Beast. Yes, there are a lot of similarities, but they also um, they also try to kind of add new modern twists like uh how bell is not just a bookworm she's also an inventor yeah and and how like the beast not just some sort of temperamental brat he just he's had he's had a rough hand dealt to him and once you get to know him you find out that he's actually very like educated and charming and that sort of thing and awkward sometimes but you know it's um it's i think it's like really more like fleshing it out i could see that it's just most of these movies have not really connected to me i loved the jungle book i loved the jungle book Mm -hmm. and that was again i think though that's basically telling a new story it's a very it's not not really anything in common with the or with the original disney movie other than the two songs uh did you see let, let's talk about the elephant in the room then? Uh-huh. Did you see the new Lion King? I actually have not. So, did you see it? Would you I did I did not want to see it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it was just because everything I heard was like it's just uh-huh. it's just the Lion King only photorealistic. So, if you're not doing something different if you're not telling a new story i just don't see why well how do you know how do you know that they haven't told a new story unless you've watched it (laughs) fair enough fair enough maybe i'll give it a shot maybe but i i just want to that's what i mean by like i believe 100 in remakes if you do something like Maleficent, if you do something like Jungle Book, if you do something like Alice in Wonderland, find a new thing to tell in your story. Exactly. Potentially, yeah. It's kind of like a, maybe like a prologue, like a prologue or an epilogue or something like that, like a spinoff of some sort. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I appreciate about Maleficent, is like, it's like, no, this is now her story, and this is her version of the story. If they did that for Scar, I'd be like, okay, all right. Color me interested. What are you going to do? Oh my gosh, that would be the saddest story ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, like his parents literally, like, like, you know, his name wasn't always Scar, right? <laughs> is that official or is that, is, is that just official. like, 
He's, no, he's official. It's official. They just they called him Scar once he got the scar. The scar, yeah. Be- because he preferred that name because his original name translated to garbage. Would <laughs> not have been easy growing up for him. <laughs> no, and that's a very interesting story. Facts. So yeah, I might even be the perfect tangent to actually get into our main feature. Okay, let's get into it then. Yeah. So, first thing right off the bat, I'll say, what a what is tour de force opening? That that mm-hmm. opening, right. the circle of life, mm-hmm. and just the most gorgeous animation. And so I never talked about this, I think, on this podcast, but I'll say it. I really, really, really adore animation, mm-hmm. especially 2D animation. Mm-hmm. There's something so wonderful about 2D animation, just the that someone drew it, mm-hmm. the, the craft involved, and how because of the nature of, of storytelling in animation, everything has to matter. And so every scene in, in The Lion King matters. There's not a single wasted scene. Right. And that's just great storytelling right there, if you ask me. So, I mean, how do you feel about the songs? Let's get into the songs, maybe. I I do like the songs. I feel like uh, it was Elton John, right? He wrote most of the songs. Elton John? Okay, so, all right, some Disney facts. So, after the tragic passing of of Howard Ashman, mm-hmm. who could do no wrong, one of the greatest unsung geniuses of our time, he, they then, I think, would just look to other other people, and they started looking at later on at pop stars which is interesting and yeah elton john was like the the first one i think they went to but they also still went to broadway so it was it was a teaming of elton john and phantom of the opera co lyricist tim Mm. rice yes so tim rice and elton john interesting combo very interesting it totally worked though for Mm -hmm. this movie right yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, the two of them, they they got some really fun songs and really different songs. I, I will I will say that like Circle of Life is nothing like like, oh, I just can't wait to be king mm-hmm. or or some of the other great gems like Be Prepared. Just right. That is one of the best Disney villain songs. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I think I think what it was is that these songs were just so dramatic, each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I that has to be like Ellen John's flair there, because he, you know, um, people might give him, give him grief for being kind of like a, a showboat or something <laughs> like that, but you know what? He knows his stuff. He didn't come up out of nowhere. And for animation and for for musicals, what else can you be but theatrical? Exactly. Like you have, like yeah. <laughs> so no, no, no. I know what you mean. And uh, yeah. So Circle of Life. It's something that even as a little kid, I I I could sort of understand 
the profoundness of the circle of life. Mm-hmm. And what a what a great kind of like theme of the movie. And to have that be the opening song. Mm-hmm. Just this beautiful animal kingdom that we're about to be introduced. Right. But and like the fact that they it's a circle of life, but they start and end the sh- the I was about to show the movie with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and it's like, like if you look at the beginning and the end, it's a lot of the same imagery, a lot of the same. You know, it's it's yep. that sort of idea where he was born, he lived, and now he's in the exact same place his father was when he was born, and. Has his own, ha, well, he'll hopefully have his own adventure sort of things, a circle of life. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I mean, okay, it's been so long since I've seen this movie, but I think that works much better than Bambi. Don't, don't hate me for saying that. <laughs> no, I, I totally get you. Like, Bambi <laughs> was fun and it would be a great advertisement for like, only you can prevent forest fires, but... <laughs> I feel it did kind of lack some of that depth that maybe The Lion King does. Mm. And maybe because of the Shakespearean influences they get, you're, you're allowed to really get into the drama. So, well, well, that's a thing, too. It's really structured like a like a Shakespeare drama, you know? Um, we have that sort of... I don't know. It's, it's like we, we're kind of like there at the beginnings. Like some sort of strange misunderstanding happens you know yep misunderstandings that would not happen in real life (laughs) creates the entire conflict for the 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 production of the movie in this case yes well classic shakespearean misunderstanding we have a little bit of that we also have in scar Mm -hmm. we have a true shakespearean villain Mm, yes he is right there with iago he is right there with I think he has more in common, honestly, with Iago and Richard than he has with Claudius, mm-hmm. even though he does things just as evil with Claudius. Claudius. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Don. Uh, what's his name? Don John. Was am I thinking of the right one? Don, Don Pedro? Or no, Don John. Oh yeah, Don John. Don <laughs> yeah. John. Yeah. Yeah. So because it's that, like that same sort of situation almost, where it's just like I really don't like my brother. I wish I could mess his life up. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, so really a classic Shakespearean villain in that sense. Just so wonderfully openly scheming. Evil. So evil. Yes. Evil. And so, okay, here's something that's a little fun, just getting into the, the honest truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. When my parents said to me that, like, just watching Lion King, you know, that's Darth Vader, Jamie. It was like, what? <laughs> That Mufasa, the the great fatherly figure, is voiced by Darth Vader. That's just actors have a great range. Uh huh. Just and I noticed for this rewatch, just Mm -hmm. there's a one Jeremy Irons pretty much steals every scene he's in as Scar. Right. He is just so good as scar so wonderfully slimy and the way he's animated too all credit where credits do andre andreas deha just great job on the animation mm-hmm. so 
just making this wonderful character of Scar and how he's just very sly and mm. scheming some mm-hmm. clever turns of phrases and insulting Mufasa, but also just playing the long game, which I admire. It's just like, okay, no, I'm I'm just going to scheme. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't born with the muscle, so he had to have some brains to get by. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the line in, in the movie, and I love that. Just like, oh, well. <laughs> I, and the pun, not a lot of animal puns, but there are some of just, I took the lion's share of the brains. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and very Shakespearean of just brotherly rivalry mm-hmm. and envious. That's where I feel a little bit of Richard the Third is there. Right. And also Iago of just the scheming and plotting mm-hmm. and causing many things. Mm-hmm. I think I think the thing with Iago was Iago was actually like pretty clever like <laughs> i i feel like his little planting seeds of doubt might actually work in real life like that's one of yeah the, unfortunately yes right yeah so he's yes. actually very clever about it um, yes and he was also clever enough to like pretend to be cordial and friendly with his with his prey <laughs> mm. Which I, I think we we don't see that here with Scar. Like Scar is like straight up like I'm not happy about this, but I'm gonna just go along with it because I have to. <laughs> the whole way though. Where, yes. Mufasa is just like oh my gosh, I want to kill him, but he's my brother. Mufasa doesn't trust him at all, but <laughs> at the same time, and this is getting into our our main hero of Simba. Simba is does trust him because he's a child. Of course, he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any better. And He's a star. <laughs> yeah. Just these a monkey's uncle. Yeah. You're weird. <laughs> you have So, been. something I appreciate now a little bit more mm-hmm. is is Disney being willing to portray Simba as a brat? Mm-hmm. Like as a kid, he's a he's a brat, but also at mm-hmm. the same time, he's he is just he's a kid. Right. That's just what he is. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, he's a I, bit bratty. He does a stupid thing. And I hear you a bunch of synonyms here. Brat, kid, same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I mean that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Is like he we have to remember he is just a child and he's going to. He's not fully formed yet, and so he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to misunderstand, and these misunderstandings will be the basis of his adult character. Yes, and that goes... And so... And... It's Mm -hmm. right around Father's Day. It's very touching. Very fitting is when we're recording this, not when it'll air, but but the message that that the last message Mufasa imparts on him before later on it comes back wonderfully and that in the scene everyone remembers. Mm -hmm. I'm just like I will always be for a Disney movie again. I I guess I'll just repeat this. It's a Disney movie. It's just so astonishing. 
I mean, what what am I saying? The circle of life. And mm-hmm. I guess maybe this is very Hamlet. It's very much about they do not shy away from talking about mortality at, no. in this movie of just that it's very much like Hamlet, although Hamlet's much more in the, you know, in the in a much more uh what am I what's the word I'm looking for? Uh oh well just just contemplative about the nature of existence and death and all that all of what 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 is the meaning of life in essence is that's many of the things that Hamlet is pondering as he's going through his theoretical revenge plot. Right. But he's that his fatal flaw is his indecision. Mm-hmm. Which plenty of people have problems with, but at the same time, that's the point of the play. Right. Well, I think that was that was actually a really sort of nice thing that I feel like kind of shown through um, with Lion King. Not so much the indecision, but kind of there was the the grief and the unsurety, which is the mm-hmm. I the lack of self confidence, which it's not quite the same, but like. Once I started connecting the two, I'm like, this actually, this movie actually makes Hamlet make a little more sense for me. Because, <laughs> you know, really? Like, well, yeah, no, it did because once I made that connection, because I'm just like, I before I'm like, okay, so Hamlet is pretending to be crazy, and no, 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 he's actually crazy. No, no, he's pretending to be crazy. <laughs> What's going on here? Like, why is he doing this? Why is he? I don't, I don't get it. And then sort of putting it through that perspective of like Simba and whatnot, it's like. He's grieving. It comes mm. in waves. It yes. comes in waves, sort of thing, where he he goes through these periods of sadness and anger and um, kind of just general feeling lost as he does contemplate his own mortality and sort of feels responsible, kind of like how Simba felt responsible, even though. Mm-hmm. He, um, so that's sort of like coping. That's that's difficult to deal with. I mean, I'm sure someone could probably do a video essay or write a write an essay on how much Simba is going through the stages of grief, and that's mm-hmm. very true. Yes, mm-hmm. very true. So, um, part of the, I think the the charm of Scar, it and what separates him com- from most Disney villains is it takes more than he has more than one plan. And it takes more than one try for him to get to actually kill Mufasa. That's just an interesting touch, I feel. As well as a of like his first attempt is is to trick Simba to go into the elephant graveyard. Yeah. And then and that's our introduction to the hyenas also. Mm-hmm. And that also shows up for all the brattiness earlier that no Simba is a little is brave mm-hmm. when he when he com- comes face to face with uh, the hyenas. Mm-hmm. I mean they try to run away but also they stand. Right. So he's not completely no. There's some sparks of the king in him. Mm-hmm. And. So, watching Mufasa's death scene this time around, I think honestly I was just too young <laughs> when I watched the movie. 
it just did not have as much of an impact on me because it was just, I was I think it just a little bit too young to fully process but yeah seeing it now mm-hmm. it's just wow I admire the courage of this movie to have us fall in love with this character mm-hmm. and kill this character you mentioned Fox and the Hound and that's actually an important part of Disney for so long wanted to do many of the animators wanted to kill characters mm-hmm. and so many times Dis- like the the higher up said no you can't kill this character no 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 you can only kill villains no 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 and if any if any of the good guys are going to die it has to happen before the story starts yes so to have and so to have mufasa die and to go out pretty darkly well, just like it. a pretty much a disney villain death Mm. Being stampeded on. Oof. Falling from great heights. Yeah. Well, no, not just falling from great heights, but then to... Oh, yeah, falling from great heights and then being trampled, yes. Yeah. Pretty ugly. Pretty gross. I mean, luckily, it's 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 still a Disney movie. He doesn't look bad dead. No, 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 no. no. He just looks like he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. Which... That's almost like almost... I don't want to say worse, but I think that's almost more heartbreaking because it's like he, he is that sort of thing. Like he looks peaceful. He looks like he's sleeping. It looks like, could he, is he, is he really dead? I can't believe this. Like I'm going through, I'm going through doubt. I'm going through, I can't accept this. Sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And it's through that sort of idea that he's just sleeping that kind of helps enable the audience kind of be there along with Simba saying, I will not accept this right away. Yeah. I, uh, I'll say this. I think it's easier to, for kids to handle than, than Littlefoot's mother dying. (laughs) That the land before time, that's just Mm. brutal because you, because poor Littlefoot has to watch his mother die in front Mm. of him, Mm -hmm. which, oof. Kids movies. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. how they want to pull at our heartstrings and traumatize us. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's amazing that we're not more messed up. <laughs> but. So. Great mm-hmm. staging and. Scar, although he's a coward and also really just sly and. He can be really scary of just that moment afterwards of just manipulating and telling Simba to run away. Just that line of to the to the hyenas just kill him. Yes. Like, ooh, dark. Heartless, man. Yep. Well, um, you mentioned we've mentioned Diago earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I recently heard um, saw this one man show by this great um, actor who talked about Shakespeare's villains and his interpretation of Iago was that Iago is a legitimate sociopath. And that that what many sociopaths can do is that they can imitate empathy, Mm -hmm. but they actually cannot empathize with others. And so just that coldness of just kill him. Mm -hmm. It's just like squashing an ant to him. Mm Mm-hmm. 
really. Well. Yeah. 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 No, I guess that makes sense because I'm trying to. I was trying to think like, is he is he a sociopath or is he a psychopath? But I guess it would probably be closer along the lines of. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not. We're not psychological we're not, experts. I don't, well, he's, he's 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 not given a really broad range of of emotions. Like sociopath is like you feel emotions, but you don't care about other people's. Mm. Psychopath is like you literally you don't feel things really. Like mm. you stunted level of emotions that are available to you. No, I mean he does feel emotions because he does feel anger. And yeah. Later yeah. on he. He he assaults Sarafi, mm. so that's true. Just more convincing of how much of he's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And just so, sociopath it is then. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, bad guy. Mm. Yeah. He is a villain, great Disney villain. And so the exile. A lot of people. I was looking through the checklist of of things of of where it's like Hamlet. Thing is, just like the, the big difference, though, for me and where I bristle a little bit with with the Hamlet comparisons is just like Hamlet's in exile for half of an act of a five act play. He's not gone for that long from right. the kingdom. So like whereas Simba's gone for most of his youth until he becomes back as an adult. Mm hmm. Although, getting back to it, though, where it is, it is Hamlet, that's when he meets his Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Exactly. Of just the two funny comic relief characters of Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, I, I want to pause and just talk about a little bit animation trends. Mm-hmm. Something, okay, the big thing Katzenberg is really, his big claim to fame once he left Disney, or more more honestly fired from Disney. Mm-hmm. He it's one of those situations where it's like they very 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 loudly asked him to leave and so he left. That kind of situation. Yes. Not technically it's kind of kind of like uh not technically fired. But we all can yeah but we all know. Yeah. So no longer welcome. <laughs> yeah. He sort of buried the hatchet because uh, he's in a recent Lion King documentary, so mm-hmm. I think they've somewhat made peace. But anyways, uh, so immediately after he left, I, he he started very much the celebrity casting in animated movies, mm-hmm. and he, he, he founded DreamWorks Animation. Ooh! And and the movie that he was very much involved with that changed animation forever, mm-hmm. and many would argue for the negative, which I understand why they feel this way, is Shrek. Oh my gosh. Really? And of Shrek started much more of that of that you you cast Mm-hmm. Big name, biggish named actors right. in animated movies, and they just play themselves. They don't really give performances; they just play themselves, or at least their persona. Mm-hmm. So the actors is a big selling point for the movie, mm-hmm. and also crank up the pop culture references. 
right. pop culture jokes. Mm-hmm. That all started with a lot of people say it started with Aladdin, but it's very different in Aladdin compared to where it goes in later years. I, I feel like it is too, because I mean, with Aladdin, it was just one person. Yeah. Doing it all. And they didn't write that stuff in. Like that was all Robin Williams. Yep. Um, 100%. Yeah. And then versus later, they tried to almost imitate that. And yes. Just, you know, try to like turn it into some sort of cash cow. And it's just like, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Just it's not quite. It's not quite the same. And maybe there's a reason we haven't seen it since, sort of thing. Well, we hmm? we we've seen it. I think it's just no, it just it doesn't it. I mean, connect. I mean, like it kind of it kind of disappeared for a little bit, did it not? Because like Shrek wasn't until I'm mean, like let's see, um, Aladdin I think was early '90s, '92 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then I, you don't really see any other sort of kids' movies with pop culture references until, like you said, Shrek. And that was Shrek. good 10 years later. Not 10 yeah. Years. yeah maybe 10 years. Yeah, so I think that's just like the difference of the of the times and where things were going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might have just, just been, too, because people started, like, that was a very comedic cast. I mean, yeah. with uh, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how you're going to get Eddie Murphy in there and not. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it was like that Shrek is a fairy tale parody. And that makes sense. It makes sense. Right. It's just unfortunate. It's unfortunately. And this is, a, this is very often mm-hmm. the, the case with Hollywood and much of great art in general is plenty of people learn the wrong lesson from from anything that's great. Right. Of just just recently with the superhero craze mm-hmm. is like Marvel making great Marvel movies because they under because they understand their their characters and know what to adapt and what to leave out mm-hmm. and bring passion to their char- characters. What do studios respond? Oh, people like an interconnected universe. That's what they want. <laughs> interconnected universe, more explosions. I was like, we're going to make a Ghostbusters universe. Uh, I don't know if you want to make a Ghostbusters universe. Don't you just want to make a good Ghostbusters movie? No, we're going to start. This is going to be a start of a big interconnected universe. And uh, um, never mind. It's, well, it's just one of those things. You know, Hollywood is in the business of making money. And so yes. they try to, you know, they're trying to approach things at every angle. Hollywood is not in the business of making art. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, that's the that's the reality. That's and that's and that's also part of the big thing for why Disney it's of always two two things colliding. It's art and commerce together. Mm-hmm. And so I I brought up Shrek and I brought up that because like just compared to that to Timon and Pumbaa, mm-hmm. pretty much all their comedy is organic to the setting they're in. There's, right. The, kind of... the only like really pop culturey moment mm-hmm. I felt was like watching it is like the moment where they sing in the jungle. Mhm. And hey, even that's just like that's harmless. I feel. Yeah. Like that's not donkey saying, "Hey, that like that tr- bush looks like Shirley Bassett." Yeah. It's like that's not 
-hmm. No. I mean, it's it's different when the genie says it because the genie is is manic energy and he's crazy. Yeah, and he has experienced time already, and the fact that it is out of place is like kind of the point. Kind of the point, but also I think, and this isn't an Aladdin podcast. We'll get back to Lion King, I swear. <laughs> I think something that I think people misunderstand, and something that I went when I was young, mm-hmm. and this is the magic of Robin Williams. Of that, when you're a kid, you don't need to get the reference to for the joke to be funny. Exactly, yeah. That's what separates that from like later pop culture jokey kind of stuff, mm-hmm. is that I don't need to understand that that's Arnold Schwarzenegger to get, huh, funny, muscly, silly mm-hmm. voice. That's all you need to understand from yeah. for when the genie does that. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to get the joke. It's just there's another layer of, of getting the joke and appreciating. All right. Tangent over. Okay. So, yeah, but Timon and Pumbaa. So Timon and Pumbaa come in. And they introduce kind of the anti-message of the play that of, – of, not the play. Wow, Shakespeare. <laughs> of the production. Of the production. <laughs> Of the movie, uh, but it's also the most famous song of the movie. So that's sort of the weird. That's the weird part of the movie. I think of the movie is the song is the most popular song of the movie, mm-hmm. but the message the song actually conveys is not what the movie agrees with. Right. Well, I mean, because if you think about it, about human psychology and such, like the human brain is designed to to choose options that will produce the least amount of pain, (laughs) even if it's not necessarily the best thing for us. Um, Mm. You know, like, yes, that's. That's like almost like a almost like a bug in our coding. (laughs) Well, yeah, we want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid pain. And so Hakuna Matata seems like the best way to do that even though it is not treating the root of the problem. It's just kind of covering it up with grub. And that's part of, I think, on yes, that's brilliant, Bailey. That's brilliant. That's what I have you on. <laughs> it is, um, and that's part of just, uh, I, I keep on saying that's part of, sorry. I'm noticing it. I'm noticing it. So when they begin the song, just mm-hmm. to have... Timon say, when the world turns your it's back on you, you turn your back on the world. Mm. Like that attitude, that cavalier irresponsibility of just like, well, if I'm rejected, then I reject the world. Right. That's not a good philosophy, actually. No, but you know what? It's a philosophy that so many people who have been hurt, like, adopt. You know? Yes, uh, and I understand why you do that. And they in the song it's funny, but I understand like that they like that that Pumba sings about how I've been rejected because of certain bodily problems. Right. And and so it hurts him and he just decides like, All right, Akuna Matata, I'm just gonna live my life. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways it has a lot in common. Akuna Matata this came to me as I was rewatching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's basically the spiritual echo of bare necessities. 
I'm having just... trouble connecting to the internet. No one's talking to you. Look at the health <laughs> <laughs> She's possessed. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, you were saying it's the bare necessities. Yeah, just like uh, of just like just what Baloo teaches in 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 Jungle Book of just the, that same kind of feel of just bare necessities of just mm-hmm. don't worry about your problems, just enjoy life. Mhm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I I feel like. There's that sort of line that they're trying to preach here, like simple living versus um, minimum effort, <laughs> which yes. are not necessarily the same thing. Um, and so it's almost kind of like the pitfall of uh, kind of giving up, you know, you know, it's like basically giving up. Yeah. Um, and it's saying like it, it's almost a temptation you know, like take the easy way out. It'll, you'll be so much happier. Come on. Just, just don't worry about it. Just come here and eat some bugs and we'll just hang out and have fun for the rest of our lives. It is, it is sloth and it is also in the stage of grief mode. It's denial. It's denial. Exactly. Um, in some, in in some cases, indulgence, um, at some points where, um they are living this life so that they can like have those needs constantly met and like throwing me wrong food is important but (laughs) it's not everything maslow's um hierarchy goes a little higher than that Mm -hmm. i think the other thing if we if we approach lion king as the story of maturity akuna matata is 100 percent your teens and your 20s just mm. have fun zero responsibility mm-hmm. ignore your responsibilities mm-hmm. ignore your obligations just have fun party yep party yeah party hardy yeah um party on party on garth party on oh sorry i'm on his name Wait, are you on? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So it's that sort of thing where Hakuna Matata is that spot where you, where you haven't quite grown up yet, but you mm. have like kind of more. You want to experience more. You're in that exploration stage, mm-hmm. and you don't know how to kind of put a, a damper on that you you don't know how to turn it off or um what's re- regulate you don't know how to mm-hmm. regulate it yet um or find balance or understand the importance that you can't party all the time <laughs> something i learned in college a mm-hmm. uh, little fun tangent that's uh i was taking a, a teaching class and just one of the things that that they mentioned there for just understanding teaching teenagers, mm-hmm. something I'm sure you can relate to, Bailey, yeah. is is that unfortunately the in in human biology mm-hmm. you basically you will uh, develop an adult's body fairly quickly in puberty. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the last thing that develops in the human brain as it matures, literally, and I. I'm not making it up, is the part of the brain for rational decisions. Yeah, the prefrontal cortex. So, unfortunately, the last thing to develop 
is the part that makes you think clearly. Yeah, so that's exactly. why teenagers are a little bit impulsive. Mm-hmm. And that's why you got to understand, yes, what is before you is biologically someone mm-hmm. in an adult's body, but that adult's body still inhabits a child's brain. Mm-hmm. So, that's being fled with hormones. Yep. <laughs> well, so, that's one thing I've, I've had to explain to my... I, we actually did a unit on this with my students. I'm like your brains are not developed yet. I know you are smart and I know that you think you know a lot, but you <laughs> literally do not have the equipment to make rational decisions right now. You might think you do, but that's because you don't have the equipment to know better. What are you talking about? We love each other. We're going to get married. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come back for Romeo and Juliet. That's... <laughs> come back for Romeo. Yeah, right. Like, okay. Did you learn nothing from Romeo and Juliet? Just get married, just wait till you're 21 or something, when your brain's more developed. <laughs> At least more developed. Yeah. Brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25. 25, but like 21 is like, it's, you're at least kind of getting it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that's. So yeah, that's definitely that Hakuna, Hakuna Matata mentality of, um, just don't worry about don't, your problems. Don't, about don't think about it. It's kind of like putting a putting a, like throwing a blanket over it and yeah. putting it there. Don't worry about it. And I forgot, honestly, Timon and Pumbaa, in addition to being funny and great, mm-hmm. that moment when they they talk about the stars and they laugh at at Pumbaa's Pum- explanation. Well, not Pumbaa's explanation, but yes, oh. that's funny. I'm just like he actually explains what stars are. <laughs> but, but then like Simba's explanation kind of burying his soul and they laugh at him they laugh at him poor Simba yeah well, that's, that's, the really t- that's, that's another teenager moment there you know yeah Where you you kind of crave that pure acceptance and you kind of hide yourself for fear of not being accepted by your fears and he or mm-hmm. by your peers. and yeah he definitely had one of those moments there it was so sad yeah that didn't help things. <laughs> <laughs> and so maybe yeah. we yeah. can. He also speaks to his, his isolation too. Like he didn't ab- have yeah. to and him. No. And it also shows what I do appreciate and where I understand it, this is not Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Unlike Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are not Hamlet's friends at all. Mm-hmm. And pretty much meet their deserved ends. Mm-hmm. The Timon and Pumbaa, I really appreciate in, in the movie. They do change. They mature with Simba. Like, mm-hmm. they help him and decide to own up to responsibilities. They don't, like, just want to be lazy cowards or just live off of their lays. Mm-hmm. They don't. They also abandon Akuna Matata. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those things where they realize that there there are more important things, you know. Like they see, like, hey, our our friend here is off to bigger, better things, and we don't want to lose him. So mm-hmm. we will abandon this lifestyle if it means keeping the family together. Mm-hmm. I did feel a little bit of uh of Mercutio in their their poutiness about, oh, he's found a girl. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, or or maybe uh, since we talked about this as well, uh, Benedict from. Let's oh, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> when we talked about that, yeah. We did talk about that. So yeah. it's like, so it's like, oh no, he's falling in love. Ah. Ah, do I have to see this again? I know, seriously. Um, yeah, so it also shows that sort of level of maturity where they sort of grow and develop, going from, oh man, he's leaving us, to, well, you know, we, we can just go with him. We can grow up with him. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I feel like that was, that was really nice. Um, and uh, a kind of, what's looking for um departure from from hamlet um yes. but in terms of in terms of rosencrantz and guildenstern being like kind of shady i think that all kind of boils down to interpretation does it not yes it does it does yeah. because i mean i i always interpreted them as being just like they wanted to be there for him their goal was to make him feel better and figure out like they understood he was going through a tough time Mm-hmm. understood that there was definitely something wrong they just didn't know how to help him and that's kind of that's kind of the the interpretation i always got from that and i do kind of see that here with them eventually like mm-hmm. once they understand a little more about where he's coming from he's like okay so you are supposed to be king of these pride lands mm-hmm. all right what do you need us to do sort of yes. thing I do love the opening jo- joke of once they find out that he's king, he's like, what? And Pumbaa, like, I I gravel before you, ma- your majesty. So I'm gonna grovel. <laughs> it's grovel, not gravel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, okay, getting into this Hamlet sidebar. Of, okay. It's just for me, for Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and recently rereading it also just mm-hmm. is a bit more apparent to me of just... For me, what stuck stuck out is the fact that they they only come back to Hamlet's life because they were paid to mm-hmm. by Claudius. Right. And they are spies mm-hmm. on Hamlet. Yes. So, so how much are they really friends with that's, him? That that is very true. Like they are being compensated for their time and efforts. Um. But I mean, is not the premise of the reason Claudius thought he would be a good, good idea to bring these two in was because they were friends. I was like, it's not like he pulled some randos off the street and said, "Hey, no, friends. no." That's a good point. I mean, yeah. we could talk about this forever. Well, maybe on a separate well, podcast. And, and, yeah, and let's just say in the Lion King, it, there was there was a, a clearness in their motivations. Yes. Sort of just saying, um, well, I don't know. I, if you think about it at the beginning, before they kind of went through that growth, you know, like you made the point that they kind of laughed at him and um, his interpretation of what the stars are. Um, and so if you kind of go on with that idea, you have to remember the original reason that they wanted to keep him around was because yeah, they wanted as a bodyguard, as a bodyguard, as protection. And so that that was kind of selfish to start with. So if anything, yeah. they did kind of pull a um, a shady move there and yeah. manipulate him. <laughs> They're not as bad as Scar, but no, yes, not as bad as Scar. Yeah. Yes. No, they, they definitely, yeah, they never tried to kill him. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but you know, they were they they got into it perhaps for the wrong reasons and then 
you have to sort of wonder, like, with that sort of moment you mentioned before, to what extent were they really his friend? Yeah. So, like, sure, they watched him grow up, and they kind of hung out together, but how deep was that connection until they realized that he was in trouble? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, when when Nala tries to to eat Pumbaa, mm-hmm. and, like, they're, they're saying, this is why why he came in handy. Yeah, exactly. You so, know? Like, yeah. and, and he's acting out of pure, you know, friendship. Like, he has yeah. that connection with them, like, saying, like, you are my friends, no doubt about it, sort of thing. And you kind of have to wonder, like, would they say the same thing before that point? Mm-hmm. Um, like, was it a sort of, were they on equal footing? Or um, were they kind of like a Rose and Friends and Guild in certain kind of situation mm-hmm. where they were acting out of their own interest and just trying to kind of poke and probe him to see how they can get him to their side? Mm. Yes. Good questions. Mm-hmm. I mean bring up other Shakespearean parallels, there's also a little bit, there's a lot of, I feel, of Prince Hal. I love the histories, and I'm always going to bring in the histories, I'm sorry, of Prince Hal in Simba, of just this wayward prince, and okay. slumming it up with, basically, in Timon and Pumbaa, there's a little bit of Falstaff and the East Cheap crowd, of just these vagabonds that don't, that impart not exactly the right message to their prince. There's a little bit of that, I feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, in terms of just parallels and just compare and contrast, mm-hmm. I want to bring up, in Zazu, I, I, watching it now, I was like, oh, he's a little <laughs> bit like Polonius. He is a little bit like Polonius, isn't he? But in a fun, harmless way, where mm-hmm. where Polonius is also kind of a bad guy. He's kind mm-hmm. of a comedic bad guy, but kind of. Mm. And... Whereas Zazu is, there's no nothing wrong with Zazu. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a servant of Scar later on, but like, what choice does he have? Right. Again, this is all up to interpretation. That's the wonderful thing about Shakespeare. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> no, because like for Polonius, honestly, I'm gonna be 100 like unpopular opinion here. I think like Polonius is actually, I my interpretation of him is actually positive. Mm. I feel like he's one of the only like ad- admirable characters in that show um like because like i understand that you know he has to watch what he says and he might seem two-faced at times but he kind of has to be when you're when you're working for royalty <laughs> you know what I, mean? I know so what I, you mean I, I like to call it tactful um <laughs> and so i think we do see that sort of interpretation as you were saying in zazu where he he tries to be a guiding hand, but he can't push too hard because it's not his place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we well, do kind of see that the more humorous, warm-hearted side of that. Mm-hmm. Plus having Rowan Atkinson voice him makes mm-hmm. it a lot of fun. Indeed. Just, I just love how... That kind of like, just, if this is where the monarchy is headed, count me out. Exactly. Very British and just very... Mm-hmm. <laughs> very proper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and you'll notice, too, like, with that, he's, I think he's the only really British character there. He's very prim and proper, while everyone else is just kind of, listen, to, like, it, American accents, listen, this is the way things are. Yep. 
Uh, well, I mean, Scar, British we're villain. Do, we're going to do us. Let's see. Is that, huh? I'm trying to think. Is that an English, British accent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just really sly, slimy. A monkey's uncle. A monkey's uncle. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to think. Is I don't know. It definitely sounds like. I mean, I think, I think you might be just thinking it's British just because he's evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not all villains are British, man. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> either way. Uh, no, and so. That's, that's kind of a tough one to place. Um, but I could see how you might think that. I don't know. I, I can't say for sure, but yeah. Where we have like these, uh, yeah, the prim and almost proper character versus all the ones that are just kind of rough and tough, if you will. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rough and tough. Rough yes. and tough. <laughs> and I mean, no, I mean, Nala has nothing really to do with Ophelia. Yeah, other than you know, love interest. Yeah. I mean, um, Sim- Simba doesn't drive a Nala insane. Mm-mm. So that's good. No, that is good. Yeah, she she makes it to the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, actually, wa- watching it this time, yeah. I think for the first time I sort of understood some of the more kind of like just esoteric parts of the movie, which is like why is Pride let Rock like ruined? because Scar is king other than, you know, just the metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I think they actually kind of justified in that, like, bringing in the hyenas means mm-hmm. that it's just over-predation. Yeah. The, the hyenas have no control. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to the the Pride Rock being devastated. Yeah, the Pride Land's going to waste and ruin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because... There's there's too much eating going on, pretty much. Too many mouths to feed at this point. Yep. There's no there's nothing to keep the circle of life, the balance, the weights, the scale. There we go. The scale's in check. Yes. Yes. And so I think that was like, oh, oh, I th- I think that's what they're going for. Like mm-hmm. they're not like they don't explain it out or spell it out to you, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, all right, I see what you're going for. I think. <laughs> And yeah, it could also be kind of like a almost a ruin in a biblical sense as well, because like oh. yes, there's there you know, because like yes, there's um, a predation where they are hunting maybe the wildebeest and other prey out of extinction, where they where Nala had to cross the desert to this oasis to try to find food. Yeah. Uh, but that you'll also notice that even with this supposed lack of herbivores and wildebeest and such. The land was dry. There was uh, no water or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it could be almost like, almost like a punishment from the powers that be. Oh yes. You know because the wrong king is on the throne. Yes, and that's who should not be there is on the throne. So it's kind of like whatever powers there are, are gonna try as hard as possible for him to stay there. Yes. So make of it what you will. Disney embraces that kind of like rightful king mm-hmm. themes and messages, and Which is it's also there. <laughs> it's a fairy tale, so it's fine, I think. Uh huh. So 
And to be fair, also, Scar does such a horrible job as king that it's just like, even if even if you ignore rightful king stuff, it's just like, no, no, you horrible shouldn't be mis- king. Horrible mismanagement. <laughs> so. Well, it's also that sort of thing. He disrupts the balance. He disrupts the circles of life almost. Yes, yes. Like, he abuses his power for self-gain rather than for the livelihood of all the Pride Lands. Because if you think about it, that's the sort of thing that that the king of Pride Rock is in charge of. Not the lions. He's in charge of the well-being of everyone. That's why when a new uh, heir is born, everyone shows up, not just (laughs) the lions. We got the giraffes. We got the... Elephants. Elephants. Yeah. Like the storks, or whatever it shows up. <laughs> you know? Everything. So, and it's that sort of thing where Scar was just looking out for himself. himself. Yeah. Yeah, himself and his, um, his, I'm trying to think, I don't want to say servants, goons, I guess. Yeah. Looking out for the self interest of himself and those who are willing to serve him. So, yeah. Although he even is not good with them because no. they're hungry. Yeah. And like they complain to him about it and he just chews them away. Yeah. <laughs> although, although like the great line, like, eat Zazu. Yeah. He's like, no, you don't want to eat me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, that's a sort of thing where what happens when you get power and you're not ready for it? Mm-hmm. Very it's true. And... One, it's one thing. Uh, what is it? Um. Well, what's that line from Macbeth where it's like, uh, to be thus is nothing, but to be safely thus. Ah. Ah. Yes. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I got the, I got the crown. How do I, how do I keep, how do I keep it? And oh, now, now you remember when he says that though, but he says that to justify killing, <laughs> killing people. I know, she'd be, no, no, she'd be killing, uh, Panglo and, um. And his son. Yeah, I know he does. That's that's the sort of thing. But it, killing a lot of people is he used that to justify killing lots of people. But that's the sort of thing where he he kind of ran out of ran out of options to some point. Scar did, because um, yeah. at first he, his his he thought the solution was just keep them fed, keep the hyenas fed, and then I can keep both the lions and the hyenas under control. Because um, that's all the hyenas want is to be fed, and I can keep I can hyenas to check the lions, and I can use the lions to feed the hyenas, and yeah. And then he ran out of then he ran out of feed, and then the whole equation broke down, and he didn't yep. know how to fix it, so he got himself into quite the pickle. Well, but he doesn't care, and that's why he's a bad king. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't care about anyone but himself. Exactly. So. Just chilling in there. I'm used to starving, so I don't really care that much. <laughs> I don't think he's starving. He 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 gets all the scraps. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, he gets yeah. all choice bits. He he's a Morton Joe from from Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. He's doing fine. Just everyone else, yeah, yep. whatever. Yeah. Um. Like any true mm-hmm. terrible king. So. The one littleish problem I have with Lion King mm-hmm. is 
I think I know it, mm-hmm. I know that it's, it's just a better story when Scar kills Mufasa. Mm-hmm. And to have Simba feel guilty about it and then find out the truth later on is, again, good story. Right. I just, in some ways, though, feel that the the main message is a little bit stronger without that element, just because of just that great Rafiki. I don't want Muf- Simba, though. I don't know. It's just like it's complicated. I don't want... Simba to actually be responsible for Mufasa's death. Mm-hmm. That would be a whole different movie. Yes. And probably if they went that way, most parents would not be willing to forgive Simba. Right. Well, well kids might be, but parents, I don't think so. I was like, no. But at the same time, Rafiki's wonderful message of just, I'm just like, like, why do you do that? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. Yeah, but it still hurt. Yeah, sometimes the past hurts. Mm-hmm. But you can either learn, run from it, or learn from it. I think that message would... I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, though. But it would be better be certain it was actually his fault. The Is message, I, <laughs> in terms of just like... In terms of the message, overall message of accepting your responsibilities. Right. And moving on. Uh-huh. And... Part of it is at one point when Scar tries to guilt up, guilt mm-hmm. Mufa- Simba, he says like that's not going to work on me anymore. Mm-hmm. But then when he says it, says it to everyone else, then he 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 has his inner turmoil brought up again. Right. Well, because that's almost, that's a little different, you know what? You can make peace with something like with yourself, but then once that that turmoil is exposed for other people to see, that's a whole new set of shame. Yes. It's not so much inner conflict anymore. Now it's like social shame from it. You know? Mm. It's that's like a, true. You know, that is a good like, point. Yeah, because he's just like, all of a sudden, like, I'm okay with it. It's like, okay, but are they okay with it? Oh, crap. <laughs> that's a good point. Well, Scar's a very good villain in terms of improvising. Mm-hmm. He's very good at improvising. Yeah, he's very thinking on his feet. Mm-hmm. Or pause, rather. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then we yeah, and then that kind of the other thing that kind of uh, sort of goes back to um, Hamlet though is the fact that here we have some definite answers. You mm. know, like in Hamlet we have we had doubt. We weren't yes. sure about who killed um, Hamlet's father. We, we like we. It suggested that it was Claudius, but like, for all we know, the ghost could have been just like a demon trying to trick Hamlet. Um, so there's that like that also, that sort of um, doubt in Hamlet that was not here in uh lion king where we have this is a definite bad guy like there's no doubt about it like he's the villain (laughs) and um i think that really helped us to focus the conflict on on simba's sort of development his struggle rather than trying to figure out what's the truth here we know the truth now we just need to try and like watch simba find the truth for himself and Mm -hmm. 
go through that journey. Well, I think that just is the difference between what the story. I I remember what the word I wanted to use earlier. Mm-hmm. Hamlet is is the is Shakespeare's existential play. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's existential. It's just it's looking for meaning in everything in life. And one of the things about life is when you ask those big questions, is you all you're going to have? What Bailey mentioned earlier, doubt. Yeah. You're never yeah. going to. You're never going to fully know. Is there life after death? What is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? All these sorts of questions like, um, you'll get some good answers. You'll get some varied answers, but mm-hmm. I doubt anyone's ever going to find the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although, although I know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy did give us the definitive answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. We just don't know the question. We just don't know the question. Yes. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um. <laughs> but so with with that that though with of they do Claudius later confesses to it. Mm-hmm. But but it it's only after to right. be fair it's only after Hamlet has enacted the play to mm-hmm. make him feel guilty. Right. So that doubt is we only know. We have to wait halfway through the play to really be convinced, like Hamlet, that, okay, the ghost was not a demon trying to trick me. It, like, my fa- like my uncle really did kill my father. Mm-hmm. But then he still doubts and still is indecisive because what do I do with that now? How do mm-hmm. I act? What do I do? Well, okay, so maybe I haven't studied Hamlet in a while. What I remember at the end there... Um, he was trying to like bring up some sort of emotional response, right, from Claudius by putting on this play. Yes. All I remember is him like sort of cutting it off short and calling for light, like, "Hey, bring this to an end." And that yes. And yes, went, because because and he, he couldn't. And confession. And then what? And then Hamlet kind of took that as a confession, right? Like, oh, he's not not just that, but then like Hamlet stumbles mm-hmm. in on as as Claudius does his confessional prayer oh yes okay yes. that's forgetting yes <laughs> it's okay <laughs> all right now we got it forget that's fine yeah well to be fair hamlet is a very long play and people often condense it <laughs> yes yes okay um yeah so yes we had that sort of moment of doubt 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 and then all, all of a sudden certain certainty and uh that sort of thing and I feel like it's also really nice to kind of have something like that in life when they're talking about, like you said earlier, they talk about mortality. Yes. In, in this movie. And the way they choose to discuss it, they, they frame it almost in a positive in this case. You know, it's kind of like there's a, there's a lion heaven. Um, yes. You know, and just that sort of idea of, of how we cope with things in terms of, like, yes, your father is gone, but he's with the kings of the past now sort of thing. And and he's he lives in you. And he lives in you. That's the sort of thing. It's that sort of, it's bringing that uh, sort of, like, it's, it's him having forgot that was really 
um, what we might be able to consider the, the source of a lot of his grief, because like, mm-hmm. only when he was reminded of that could he um, sort of go on and say, like, okay, well, my father's gone. I just have to accept that. He's in the stars now. <laughs> and yes. and um, now, it's, now it's my turn sort of thing. And um, that's something that we definitely don't get with Hamlet. <laughs> 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 Until maybe the very last scene, but by that point, once he finally does learn mm-hmm. and change, it's kind too of too late. late. Yeah. 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 So. It's Disney. Disney it, cannot have a tragedy. Uh, I'm trying to think. No, no, I guess not. Um, no, no, I mean, the only the only one is 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 the Marvel movies and. And even there, it's no, but we had a, a sequel that gave it a happy ending, so it's fine. Exactly, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you can't really have tragedy. Yeah, you're right. You can't have tragedies in Disney because it's all children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, all of the, all, they're just basically taking cautionary tales and turning them into something a little more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Goodness forbid we scar our children. By yes. That if they don't listen to their parents, their parents will take them out in the woods. Leave them there. <laughs> Fairy tales are very interesting for that. Mm. All these primal fears. Right. I think... Okay, let's just get on this wonderful tangent then. Okay. I think something about the so many fairy tales of, of like, what you just mentioned with Hansel and Gretel. Right. Of like, what is this this fear that they're touching on and like it's it's many times the wicked stepmother, but where, why is it the stepmother? Is that just to give it a little layer of protection? I think it is because I think that's a bit cleaning it up. I think what they're touching on with that fear is the fear that your parents actually don't love you. Mm. Well, that their love is conditional. Yes. It's the thing because I mean, let's be honest. There are probably some parents out there who do have conditional love. Let's be for real. <laughs> it's hard being a parent, and so if you don't if you have certain needs or conditions that aren't met, you kind of, I, you might start to feel a little less love. Who knows? <laughs> um, also, just maybe a little bit warning the their their kids, just scare scare them into being obedient. Exactly. Well, and obey the rules of like, if you don't behave, I'll mm-hmm. throw you into the forest. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that uh, that what's that movie, The Croods? They left the cave and died. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the thing stories are were originally made to teach especially yes. teach teach very important lessons listen to your parents be good children uh never veer off the path um stay away from strangers stay away from strangers stay away from the big bad wolf exactly Just... um inner beauty is more important than outer beauty um if you are a good person you will get your just rewards and yeah then your stepsisters will have their feet uh, <laughs> cut off or whatever it is. Yeah, that's the other you know, thing. But I don't know, but at the same time, it's something I, I, I've i come to really understand, I think, just thinking back of what I was like as a child, mm-hmm. of, of it's something I think Neil Gaiman mentioned um, recently, I think, in an interview I saw with him, is kids really want the villains to be punished. Yes. Really want the villains to be punished. I remember 
as a kid loving Old Testament stories for that kind of like moral clarity and just like, yeah, Pharaoh gets it. Yeah. Yeah. If the villain isn't punished, then what's to stop me from becoming a villain? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of that, I mean, like they did a study on this sort of thing where they made really harsh punishments for crimes and the crime rate went down for those crimes because people were afraid of the punishment. Not so much of breaking law, but they didn't... The, 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 the punishment, yes. The punishment was not worth the crime sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that sort of thing. Where they want to see the villain punished because they want to feel like there is some sort of justice in the world. Mm-hmm. That yes. people who do wrong by others will eventually have their comeuppance. Mm. And I mean, push comes to shove. Mm-hmm. Like one of the great moments for character development mm-hmm. and great lines is Simba saying, of of Scar cowardly, just like, please don't kill me. Just doesn't say that, but just was like, I'm not you, Scar. Yes. And then just like that turnaround, always fun of just, what what should I, what do you want? Run away, Scar. Run. Uh, and then that's when it gets him angry and they mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. And then truly getting his comeuppance of, of, of blaming it on the hyenas. And so the hyenas then mm-hmm. eat him. Yes. It's one of those, yeah, it's just one of those, like, oh, that is just, like, perfect karmic justice. Like, you are undone by the very thing that you used to commit your evil deeds. Yes. Well, that's very much a, a, a well-established tradition in so many of these Disney movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the only ones that doesn't get a violent death is Jafar, but in a way, he gets a fate worse than death of just he's forced to be a genie. Mm-hmm. And cast off into the Cave of Wonders for probably another 10,000 years, yeah. unless you count those sequels. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, just all those, all of them, just like their own greed, their own, mm-hmm. that's that's the story of evil, and that's always fun, I think, is just their, their own villainous fate by their own faults. Right. But that's also Shakespearean. That's the, the tragedy, is that your own Macbeth, his own unrelenting ambition, ends up destroying mm-hmm. him in the end. Right. Fatal flaw. Fatal flaw. Yeah. Fatal, after all. A fatal. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Huh. Remembering it, I I I I I need to make a correction just because mm-hmm. someone might point this out to me. Right. Is there is a very pop culturey moment in the end of Lion King. Mm-hmm. It's Rafiki becoming Bruce Lee, and uh, and giving a bunch of of kung fu sounds. Yeah. As he smacks around the the hyenas, that was like okay. I think but, though that's a bit more it's, universal. It's, so it's like it's like it's not. It's, it's one of those I don't have to know who Bruce Lee is to think that's really funny. Yeah. And just to think that's cool. Yeah. That's just cool. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah, I just had to, like, I just remembered, so I, sh- I should point it out, to be fair. Woof. I guess it's just, I guess it's just that they resist. I guess it's just, like, not to shame Shrek. I like Shrek. It's just, like, maybe I don't know. It's just not later, later bad animation movies, I guess, is what I'm more thinking of. 
mm-hmm. and why this movie stands the test of time and it is a masterpiece mm-hmm. is like they don't bring in just talking about internet meme kind of like short things that will never be remembered in years to come right so i don't know i think we're at the end just the circle of life continues yeah and it's a great finale Mm -hmm. so join us next time for lion king 2 (laughs) a lot of people want like that I've told about this podcast say I need to do Lion King 2 and one and a half as well (laughs) Lion King 2 is at least from what I remember yes I have seen it yes is that it it is it's much more closer to Romeo and Juliet than this is to Hamlet yes no I agree with that I was obsessed with probably Lion King 2 more than I was obsessed with Lion King the first one when I was a kid I'd watch that show like obsessively it's one of those ones that I would put on all the time that drove my parents crazy (laughs) (laughs) and honestly like I could talk about it and how it is probably better than Romeo and Juliet (laughs) oh interesting interesting (laughs) is it because of the happy ending honestly I don't know about better I just there are definitely some 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 parallels in there but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm biased just because it was one of my favorites. Ah. Uh, <laughs> well, now you're. I'm interested. Maybe. Okay. If you, if you want to. All yeah. right. Thank you so right. much, Bailey, for coming. This has been great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good one. Bye.